Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen. We are so glad to have you join both Chris and myself here on this particular podcast. Chris is the lead and founding pastor of High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are in a series on the Holy Spirit. So glad to be with you again today. As I think about this topic, it's a topic that's so personal to all of us, but I find it to be so personal to me because obviously we're all trying to grow in our own walk with God. But as I look at our 16-year-old son, who's basically, it's hard to say he's a mini-me because there's nothing mini about him. He's 6'4", 225 pounds. But I see me today who has learned how to walk with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and I see him at 16 that is in his very beginning understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and haven't really learned how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk by the Spirit and bear the fruits of the Spirit. So like this topic is so relevant because I'm able to see the difference the Holy Spirit makes in our life. It's funny that you say that because we talk about if you have children or you've seen somebody who hits that growth spurt, their body's bigger than they really know how to handle. In some ways, that is a picture of us when we are new believers. We have the Holy Spirit. You know, Mark has the big feet, even though he didn't know how to use them as well yet. But that is us that we have talked in some of our previous podcasts about how at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit and dwells us. And we want to pick up right back on that particular topic. In our last podcast, addressed several key verses, notable verses on this whole topic of the Holy Spirit. And we said, even from the very beginning, that there are five things that the Holy Spirit does. And so just as a recap, we talk about how he reveals, he indwells, He forms, he empowers, and he unifies. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is his job. We're going to pick back up on the whole topic of how the Holy Spirit indwells us. Can I just jump right in and give you a particular verse that I think is paramount that we understand in the context of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Please do. So we're going to jump right in, and we're in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 9, and it says this, You, however are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. When I look at that passage, the thing that jumps out at me is that there are two identities, the identity of being in the flesh or the identity of being in the spirit. There's not a third identity. We understand the identity of being in the flesh because that's just our sinful, selfish ways. And it's just the way we've always operated. But if we don't understand our identity of in the spirit, then we'll never really be able to live by the spirit, walk by the spirit. So it's incredibly important for us to teach on this topic of who the Holy Spirit is and to walk through this definition of how he reveals himself, how he indwells, how he forms Christ in us and through us, how he empowers us and how he unifies us. Because if we have a limited understanding of who he is, then we're going to have a limited understanding of who we are Mm. and who God has designed us to be. So I'm afraid 
that some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. I think that's very accurate. I think that is true, that there is something somewhat spooky or magical or mystic that we kind of keep at arm's length. You know, in the old days, even King James scripture and then among older generations, you would hear people refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And that's kind of spooky and kind of mysterious of like, I don't know that I want to get to know a Holy Ghost, but I do want to know the person of God who is the Holy Spirit. So as we look at these identities, what we're trying to do today is we're trying to say, okay, we've received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we're living in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And that means we are no longer defined by our sinfulness and by our thirst. You're not Mm -hmm. defined by your thirst. Now, this is a radical difference. You're defined by that thirst being quenched and by it being satisfied. And you're defined by rivers of living water springing forth from within you. But you know what? I think most people feel empty. They don't feel the fullness of the Holy Spirit operating in them and through them. So all of that goes back to this identity. We've got to have a clear definition of the Holy Spirit in order to be confident and comfortable in that new identity of us being in the Spirit. As Jesus described the Holy Spirit as a helper that he was sending with us, I think about that in just the most practical way. How many, I work with women, so how many women that I know that really battle reverting back to finding their identity in their sinfulness, that even after salvation, they know intellectually that they have been forgiven and freed. It is this disconnect with really having an awareness of the Holy Spirit and allowing that helper to remind them who they truly are. Okay, so as you talked about that identity, then understanding how the helper of the Holy Spirit is a part of your new identity and changing that, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. There's your new identity. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We hear people say this all the time, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And we understand what they're trying to say. They're wanting to put the emphasis on grace. But oftentimes, I think in their identity, they put more emphasis on they're a sinner Mm -hmm. and therefore kind of on the flesh and that they're still in the flesh. And it's almost as if grace is weak and not strong enough to overcome the flesh. But we've got to change the identity where we're a new creation in Christ. So see, in that way, salvation always produces sanctification. And that sanctification comes through the spirit of God working in us. And through us, and we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit at salvation. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that in that definition permanently and completely indwells us at the point of salvation. As a woman who has an incredibly poor memory, I think one of the reasons that we need to in this modern day, even though for some people they aren't quite as comfortable with the Holy Spirit as they are with Jesus or God, he reminds us of who we are. 
He is the one that tells us what is true about us. He reminds us that this is our new identity, that the old has passed away. And when he reminds us of who we are, a good illustration of that is this. You'll hear Karen and I, I mean, just like anybody, we'll talk about our kids lots. We love our kids, and they're such a great illustration of how God really loves us because we're in a parent-child relationship with God. We're the children, and he is the father. In this particular situation, when I think of our kids, okay, Mark Christopher Conley Jr., all right, and Annika Renee Conley. They were born into our family. They have our DNA. They are undeniably our children, but they're actually growing into who they are. With Christ, we're living out of who God says we are. And as their parents, we're trying to teach our children to live out of who we as Conleys say we are. And as Conleys, we say we're Christ followers. But they're growing into who we say they are. Yes, they bear our name. Yes, they are our children. In many ways, they have different resemblances and characteristics and qualities of us. But you know what? As they're young adults and one day as they're husbands and wives and one day as they're fathers and mothers, I hope that they bear a more full, complete picture of who we are as Conleys because they have grown into who we say they are. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is with us. We have to grow into who God says we are, into our new identity. I love it. And I love trying to get in my mind a word picture that makes something so vast and so hard to get around in a picture form that helps us. And that illustration I love because I can totally connect to the mother-child relationship to really make sure we have an accurate understanding. Again, we're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there's just a couple more that we want to make sure that we have a comprehensive view of what God's Word teaches about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, and it says this, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's pretty big. That has a huge significance for us. And there's a theological cue in that verse. What do you mean by that? Well, there are certain words that should be a cue to us as to a bigger thought process there. So this theological cue are the words sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you seal something, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's for keeps, right? Mm -hmm. So that's pointing us back to this definition where we say that we're permanently, see, that's sealed. The Holy Spirit permanently and completely indwells us at the point of salvation. So the Holy Spirit seals our salvation. We can't lose it. Mm -hmm. It's been sealed and kept for all time. And then the Holy Spirit is the ultimate proof of our salvation, right? So the proof that we were actually forgiven is that we now have freedom through the Holy Spirit. The proof that we aren't in the flesh is that we are in the Spirit. So this cue is evidence that we are recognizing the complete indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. And here's the most beautiful part. We lack nothing. What did he say all the way back to the last podcast? Rivers of living water will spring forth from within you. Now, that doesn't sound like we're lacking anything. Abundance. Abundance. I love that in the places that we go and the people that we talk to that 
there are those people that every week they raise their hand because they just want to make sure that they're saved, make sure that they're going to heaven. And here is such a verse for them to hold on to, to go, no, you cannot lose your salvation. It is sealed. You receive the Holy Spirit. You cannot choose not to be a child of God. You are his. There's beauty in that. Let me throw a a verse out your way that I know is a verse that is used frequently, maybe misunderstood, and it's Ephesians 4.30. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When you hear that word grieve, sometimes people misunderstand the Holy Spirit to be an it mm-hmm. or to be a substance. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, we're going to fill you up with the Holy Spirit. And so mm-hmm. therefore we're going to, let's use this water illustration again. Instead of rivers of living water, we're going to fill you up with 25%. As you grow and as you do a little bit better, then you'll get another 25%. Now you're at 50%. You know, as you grow and you do a little bit better, you're up to 75%. No, you don't grieve at it. Mm-hmm. You grieve a person. You grieve a relationship. And so he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, what grieves the Holy Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit of God was put into our life so that we would no longer be in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we choose the flesh over the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is grieved when we walk in sin instead of by walking by the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Holy Spirit is grieved when there are deeds of the flesh instead of fruits of the Spirit. But it's so important for us to understand this. The Holy Spirit's grieved, but when he's grieved, he doesn't abandon us. That was going to be my next question. So if you grieve the Holy Spirit, does that mean you lose the Holy Spirit? Do you lose your salvation? Notice what it says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. There's that word for the day of redemption permanently and completely. You were sealed. Now, let's go back to the children illustration. Okay, so we love our children, but our children don't always express their love back to us in the ways that we would prefer, right? Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because, I mean, biblically speaking, love is expressed through obedience. Uh, Yeah, we we have some of that occasionally. Right. So, you know, our children don't always perfectly honor their mother and father, right? Yeah. So there are times like that they grieve our heart, but we never give up on them. Absolutely. They grieve our heart, but they never cease to be Conley's. When they grieve our heart, we actually move toward them and we work harder to help them become the man or woman of God that we want them to become. So when we grieve God's heart, he doesn't move away from us. We're the only ones that move away from God. He never moves away from us. Isn't that just such the lie of the enemy that so many of us believe? And the enemy uses guilt and shame to try to convince us that we are unworthy or to tell us lies about God. That's where the Holy Spirit is there to remind us and bring us into remembrance of truth. Yeah, put this word picture in your mind. So when we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God, when we're disobeying God, we're walking away from God. Mm -hmm. And imagine this. It's like the Holy Spirit grabs the back of your shirt and you're walking away and the Holy Spirit's tugging on your shirt, trying to pull you back. Now, the Holy Spirit is not going to override your free will. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the ability to make a choice. But the Holy Spirit's going to tug on you enough with conviction and tug on you enough to say, please don't walk that direction and warn you enough to say, please don't go that direction. And then even after you go that direction, going to invite you back into the forgiveness of God. He's definitely sweeter than any of us deserve. But I guess that's the whole point, isn't it? 
what a gift that we get at salvation. Ephesians 5.18 is one that we have had lots of conversations about, and it says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So there's a landmine right there. <laughs> yeah, but it's not really. It's not. But it, it's, don't people think it is? Yeah, but they've just taken it so out of context. Right, right. Like, they make the whole emphasis here on not getting drunk with wine. And sure, the Bible teaches that we should not get drunk. Now, for a different topic, a different day, we can dive into the whole alcohol and the pros and cons. And basically, the bottom line is this. Drinking is not a sin. Getting drunk is. Whatever you do, don't cause a brother to stumble. Okay? There's the 30-second version. That's right. So when it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. I mean, that's a big word right there. I can't Mm -hmm. even say it right, right? (laughs) But it says, but be filled with the Spirit. So what's the issue here? Well, when you're drunk with wine, you're under an influence. And he's saying, don't be under the influence of wine. Be under the influence of the Spirit. Be under the influence, like in this particular situation, let's go back to the analogy of don't be in the flesh. So don't be under the influence of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Be under the influence of the Spirit. So the primary thrust of this passage is being filled with the Spirit. And how are we filled with the Spirit? Now, that's kind of the obvious question that's emerging, right? Right. There is a great theologian. I've read several books by him, Wayne Grudem. And I want to give you kind of what his definition is of being filled by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? All right. And this is what he says. He says, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the immediate presence of God himself. Now, that's powerful. The immediate presence of God himself and it, therefore, resulting in feeling what God feels. So when you're filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, you feel what God feels. And notice that just went to an emotional level, just went to a relational level. You feel what God feels. Then you're desiring what God desires. And that's where we replace duty with desires. You know, if you're living by duty, you're never going to win this thing long run. you got to live by desires. you got to delight yourself in God, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, okay? So you desire what God desires. And it says, doing what God wants. So now I'm obeying God out of a heart of love, out of a heart of desire. I'm doing what God wants, and I now want what God wants. And it says, speaking by God's power, praying and ministering in God's spirit, and knowing with the knowledge which God himself gives. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit, one more time, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is to be filled with the immediate presence of God himself, And therefore resulting in feeling what God feels, desiring what God desires, doing what God wants, speaking by God's power, praying and ministering in God's strength, and knowing with the knowledge which God himself gives. What an incredible gift to think that we would have the Holy Spirit within us giving us the ability to do all that God wants us to do. The fact that that is available to each and every believer is incredible. I want to hit one last passage today before we wrap up this particular podcast that I think can add another dimension to this idea of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that's out of Galatians chapter three, verses three through five. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? 
Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? When I read this verse and it starts out, and says, oh, foolish Galatians. That just demands my attention right there, right? He's calling them a fool about something. What is that? Well, they're reverting back to the flesh. You know, we just got through talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and everything that you're given by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And now people want to go back to the flesh and go back to the emptiness of the flesh compared to the fullness of the Spirit. So here he's saying, no, 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 please, please, whatever you do, do not live in the flesh, but live by dependence upon the Spirit. And it's important for us to understand that the Spirit, when we've said this before, is our helper. The Spirit is our guide, and we must learn to submit to Him because accidentally, here's what happens. We're grateful for our salvation. We're grateful for our forgiveness. And then we accidentally go back and try to attain our sanctification, our growth in Christ by working hard, by Mm -hmm. discipline, by self-help, as opposed to by submitting to the Spirit, surrendering to the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. So we start in the Spirit with salvation, but then we try to finish in the flesh, and that's foolish. What we've got to do is we've got to learn how to surrender more and more, submit more and more, abide more and more, and be under the influence of of the Holy Spirit. In that previous passage in Ephesians, he said, don't get drunk with wine. He said, don't be under the influence. So we've got to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, then the influence of the Holy Spirit will give us the ability to walk by the Spirit and bear the fruits of the Spirit. And then when we do that, you know, it says, go back in John chapter 15, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. All right. But with him, And with the Holy Spirit, you can bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. So it would be foolish to go back to our sinful ways, our selfish ways, our strength instead of God's strength. So what we want to do here is we want to finish this podcast by saying a great book, a great resource as it relates to Galatians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And this whole temptation to go back to the flesh instead of walking by the Spirit is read the book, The Cure incredible book that will address everything here here soon at high point i'm going to recommend everybody buy that book fantastic book it will dive into this in a much greater way than we can at this particular moment that brings us to the end of this particular podcast the end of our topic on the indwelling of the holy spirit if you want to follow chris or i on our blogs chrisconley.net and karenconley.com And you can always also check out other sermon series at highpointmemphis.com. We'd love to have you come and visit. But as always, we want you to remember, love God plus love people equals love works. 